Hello, and welcome to Next Generation Behavioral Health. 10-minute tips for modernizing patient care. I'm Dr. Christina Armstrong. And I'm Dr. Julie Kinn. Christy and I are psychologists in the Defense Health Agency. We're part of a team that makes health technology for service members, veterans, their families, and their care teams. That's right. And we train clinicians on how to use those technologies in clinical care. In this podcast, we answer the common questions we hear, and we do it in 10 minutes or you get your money back. Today, we're going to be talking about ethical issues in the use of mobile apps in clinical care. As clinicians, it's critical for us to be thinking about potential ethical dilemmas that may come up. Let me foreshadow the the end here, though. Bottom line is that all the ethical principles that apply to using health technology are the same ones you all are already familiar with. There's really not anything new that you need to learn. It's more about applying the existing principles to using mobile apps instead of using things on paper. That's right. All of the ethical standards that we have to follow as clinicians still apply, even if it's a new technology. Right. Just like when we started using telephones in therapy and when voicemail became a common thing and recordings, that fits into our ethical standards, just like using recordings on the Prolonged Exposure Coach app. For example, when we're doing therapy via holograms one day, (laughs) a lot of people are going to have questions. A lot of people are going to imagine a lot of ethical dilemmas that might arise. But we do always have to go back to those, those ethical guidelines that are a part of our professional practice. Yes, so we'll start getting into these today with some examples, but we're very much hoping to hear from you all. Give us your questions. Send us some stumpers. Yes, so in the meantime, let's think of some of the ethical dilemmas we have heard from some providers. Let's see. I'm going to give you one, Julie, and I'd like to see what you would do in this situation. Okay, Uh what would you do if a provider hears about a really cool new app? for cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. Like the CBTI coach made by the Department of Veterans Affairs with Help by Teacher? That's right. Yeah. So imagine you're a provider in the VA or the DOD, and you are seeing a treating a patient for insomnia. And although you are not trained on cognitive behavioral Mm -hmm. therapy for insomnia, you say, hey, I know about this really cool app, CBTI coach. And I think I'm going to use it because my patient has insomnia and that feels like a good fit. So do you see any ethical problems there? (laughs) Why, yes, I do. (laughs) This would be a really short episode if I said, nope, no problem, go for it. (laughs) Okay, so again, back to what I said before, that this isn't anything new. It's our same ethical standards. Finding out about a really cool app and then starting to use it without being trained in the modality that it's based on is similar to seeing a book on motivational interviewing, picking it up, flipping through it, and then handing it off to your patient and say, yep, we're going to do motivational interviewing instead of Mm -hmm. actually being trained on it. Except in this case, it's a mobile app. And it by you recommending it to your patient, you're implicitly saying, here's a treatment I believe in and that I know about. Let's let's start doing this treatment. Now, there's safety measures built in 
to these mobile apps made in the DoD and VA in that they make it very clear in the app that these some of these should be used with a provider and how to find mm. providers, et cetera. But that's not always going to be the case with, with other apps out on the market. So really what we're facing is the ethical standard of competence. That's right. Yep. Our ethical oh, standard. Did I get it right? Yes. You got it right. <laughs> yeah. So our, at least for psychologists, which we both are, in our ethical standards, we have to be competent in the therapeutic modality that we are engaging in. So if we're using um, CBTI, cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, to treat our patients with insomnia, we have to be trained on that therapy. I want to be trained on CBTI before I'm using CBTI coach. Can I throw one at you now? Yes, I'm ready. So let's say a patient is using a self-assessment, either in a mobile app or on a website, and they indicate some tendency towards self-harm or some really severe depression ratings. Now, Mm -hmm. all the mobile apps that that we make in the VA and DOD don't transmit this information to providers. It all lives on the patient's device. So no one's actually getting that information in order to jump in and help with immediate care. That's right. Let me jump into the nightmare terrain. Let's say a patient has an incident of self-harm. Is that provider liable? Were they ethically responsible for checking the responses on that self-assessment? That's a really good question. And so there's two ethical standards that are applicable in that scenario. The first one is confidentiality. And the second one is informed consent. So informed consent, I see, is the bigger, more important issue here because it could prevent issues in the future. So in this scenario, it's really important throughout the informed consent process is that you let the patient know hey, we're going to be using this mobile application as a part of our treatment. I'm not getting any of the information from that app. It is on your phone. And as a part of our treatment, I'm going to do standard suicide assessment, which you would do with all patients, but you're also going to do a safety plan if it needs to be put in place. And a part of that safety plan is going to be um, who are they going to call in case of an emergency, all of those things, but also being very, very clear that if you have thoughts of hurting yourself, I want you to contact 911 or my office or whatever the safety plan is for that patient. And of course, document, document, document. And yet another reason why we always ask you to kick the tires first before recommending any application to your patients. That's right. I've got another scenario for you, Julie. You ready? Yes. Okay. So patient comes into a session and secretly records the therapy session using their voice recorder on the phone. Then they take the audio and cut a new dance track with their psychologist's vocals on it. Did that really happen? (laughs) The the first half did happen. The Uh, second half didn't happen. (laughs) Dr. Armstrong. There has been a couple instances in military treatment facilities of patients coming in and recording the the session unknowingly. I don't know what they did with those audio tracks afterwards, but (laughs) hopefully not a dance track. It'd be a pretty boring dance track, I think. Uh, Maybe. Okay. (laughs) So... 
that is an invasion of the therapeutic relationship. So I think there's a couple different ways of looking at this. One is just therapeutically, you would want to have a conversation about what this means, why they wanted to record. It's possible that they want to remember what you're saying, and it didn't even occur to them that it would be something that bothered you. But the ethical issues here are numerous. First of all, confidentiality, because they are possibly without knowing it, impairing their own confidentiality by Mm -hmm. essentially generating a new record of their therapy session. Although it's not HIPAA information until you, the therapist, own it, it's still something that could potentially land them in some hot water later on or make life uncomfortable for them. So to me, this one strikes me more as a a therapeutic issue and also helping inform the patient, Um, along with you wanting to protect your right to practice without being secretly recorded. That's illegal in many places uh, mm-hmm. to record without someone's knowing, but but not everywhere. All the more reason to just have some open, frank discussions about expectations for technology as soon as you can. Absolutely. I feel like we could easily go on about this for a couple of hours. In fact, I know we can because that's what we do in our trainings. That's right. (laughs) We got to cut it off, but we can return to this subject. Take-home notes from today are always put evidence-based practices that you've been trained on first. Also, having a well-thought-out informed consent and having conversations ahead of time with your patient so that they understand the expectation for treatment. And the last take-home point is to maintain competency in the use of mobile health in clinical care through training on core competencies and also um, getting information from all the resources available to you. So folks, I think we went over our 10 minutes this time, but it's an extremely important topic and one that we know is difficult to talk about. So thanks for lending us your ear. You can send me a bill for your extra few minutes. (laughs) Thanks for joining us today on Next Generation Behavioral Health. Let us know what you thought of today's episode and if you encountered any ethical issues when using mobile apps in clinical care. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Military Health. Thank you so much for rating us and subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. Be sure to check out our other shows like A Better Night's Sleep and The Military Meditation Coach and also our free mobile apps and websites for the military community. Next Generation Behavioral Health is produced by the Defense Health Agency.